What's up, New Haven? You're listening to Elm City Speaks, a podcast that explores stories of social justice and public service leaders in our community. In the last episode, Max and Savannah interviewed David Warren, who served as executive director of Dwight Hall from 1969 through 1977. During his time as director, the hall became a commonplace for discussion around social movements for Yaleys and New Haveners alike. Since then, Dwight Hall has continued to transform in its organization, its relationship with New Haven, and its role in the Yale community. My name is Xiao, and I'll be your host for today. I had the opportunity to talk to Peter Krumlish, the current executive director of Dwight Hall. He talked me through his observations on how Dwight Hall has changed and stayed the same through the ages. Early on, I spent a lot of time talking with students and alumni and just asking them about their experience to try to get a sense of what, how did Dwight Hall work? What was your experience um, through Dwight Hall? And what I found is that Dwight Hall was very different at different times, and it and it didn't it wasn't organized the same way, and yet there were consistent through lines. Dwight Hall has indeed gone through numerous shifts in organization and purpose throughout its time, with its beginnings as a Christian missionary group to its role in social justice in the 1970s, to its more service-oriented role today. It seems that there isn't just one definition of Dwight Hall. So it was sort of like the famous thought experiment of um, Theseus's ship in ancient Athens, the ship that Theseus sailed back from slaying the Minotaur was um, a monument in Athens over centuries. And over time, as the wood would rot, it would be replaced with new wood. And ancient philosophers had a, had a thought experiment about that. At what point is it no longer Theseus's ship, but a completely new ship? Because it's all replaced, it's a replica. And is it like 50%? When does it turn out? When did that moment happen? And Dwight Hall was sort of like that. Like, at what point is it no longer Dwight Hall if it doesn't have any of the original elements of it? But I think one of the answers is that if you can identify consistent threads, uh, then you can not only show that there is a consistent logic and identity, but you can also use it to kind of as a guide for future decision-making so that you don't just, you don't have mission creep or you don't just become the sprawling, we don't even know what we are anymore organization. I thought the idea of consistent threads as a uniting factor was really interesting. Were there really ideals that persisted through more than a hundred years of Dwight Hall history? And how could these threads create a dynamic organization that was able to shift with the demands of the times? And so some of those core values that I was mentioning and certain practices and disciplines like critical reflection, like uh, rigorous uh, analysis with um, we call the, the method where you try to really understand in a deep way what the problem is and how you're attempting to solve it and how you're evaluating your attempts, things like that. Uh, and one of the things that was also a consistent through thread is that through the encounter with others, 
in the community. So the, the opportunity to leave the university and engage with the wider community and uh, come into relationship with other people and build a community that way and share the work of trying to improve the world. Through that encounter, um, two things can happen. One is that uh, we as, a, as individuals can grow and develop understand our place in society, understand what our civic responsibilities are, understand why the world is the way it is and what our part is in that. But it also means that we can build, we can build relationships in a way where together we can collaborate and advance and sort of move the needle on things. And one of the ways that that has uh, happened over time is that students will volunteer with community members and together identify an emerging or a chronic challenge and then together work on a solution that develops into its own innovative solution. And indeed, present day Dwight Hall barely resembles the activist hub that we explored in the previous episode. After the, the unrest of the 70s, there was a general kind of disestablishment amongst youth and schools and, and at schools uh, and sort of anti-institutionalism. Um, and so the period of the, of the 70s, Dwight Hall as an institution kind of fades uh, and becomes maybe more of like a building and a gathering place. Um, and if you talk to alumni in the 70s about their experience, they don't really identify with Dwight Hall, but they identify with the work they did in the city volunteer work that they did. And I think it was an important shift back to uh, the spirit of Dwight Hall really being about students coming together and collaborating and discovering and exploring and uh, wanting to use it as not so much an institution that guided them uh, as much as a kind of portal uh, you know, to leave Yale and to a portal into the community. In the 80s, Dwight Hall continued to be a gathering place. As student activists demanded that Yale divest from South Africa, Dwight Hall facilitated conversations among students and trustees to better understand the meaning of investing ethically and the practical implications of divestment. At the same time, Dwight Hall continued to develop into a gateway of opportunities for students to organize and connect with the city. In the, in the um, late 90s and the early 2000s, the big shift was that Dwight Hall had moved a little bit away from social justice and more into service. And there was a lot of activity of creating organizations and Dwight Hall suddenly became a, an umbrella organization of tons of, of student organizations. And the process of joining Dwight Hall and creating a Dwight Hall group dates from that, that period. There had been organizations and pro projects at Dwight Hall you know, for years, YHAP dates from the early 70s. But it was in that period, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, that the organization became a bunch of different student organizations and it went from like 30 to 60 in the space of maybe five years. And then, in, since then, it's kind of uh, fluctuated from anything from the upper 60s to more than 90. 
Today, Dwight Hall largely serves as an umbrella organization at Yale. It offers funding, resources, and hosts speakers from all over the world to talk about the pressing issues of today. As we know, current social movements are largely focused around identity and the differing privileges and opportunities given to people of different backgrounds. The growing Black Lives Matter movement exemplifies the current atmosphere around social movements and reiterates the Hall's current stance as a supporter of local leadership. I think one of the shifts that happened in the context of Black Lives Matter um, was that there was, uh, I think, an awareness among students that around social justice matters around personal identity needed to be led by the students of that identity. So for example, victims of sexual assault should be the ones speaking out about that. Students who are experiencing anti-Black racism should be the ones leading the protests around dismantling racism and, and dismantling, you know, white systems of oppression. And that, and that while Dwight Hall was an organization that was sort of open to all, that because of the existence of the cultural center and other uh, student students organizations identifying by uh, race or, or other sort of identities all were, were existing outside of Dwight Hall, that Dwight Hall couldn't really be the center of social justice on those particular issues because it would be co-opting their voice. And, and, and one, of the, one of the unfortunate effects of that is that it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of defined Dwight Hall for a time as being not a place for that. And th- th- there was good and bad about that. I think the good thing is that I saw students who were active in some of these protests around specific identities who then would come to Dwight Hall and pick up the keys for their car to do their service somewhere. And in a way, they could just be a Yale student going off and volunteering somewhere. And so it sort of preserved the space like, yeah, you, you can also be just a student here. But what it meant for XCOM and, and the student leadership was how do we be a place that is addressing these social justice issues, working toward change, but knowing where we fit into it? Today, Dwight Hall is taking on more of a supportive role in social movements. When the first, the first protests around things like I can't breathe are happening, students were wondering, so if I'm not a Black person that's not a victim of systemic police violence and am not likely to have be in a situation where I get pulled over and am now like having my breath squeezed from me, should I be saying, I can't breathe because that's not my lived experience. So then what should I do if I want to be an ally? And so for several years, I think Dwight Hall's leadership was sort of nimbly maneuvering to be really good allies. And part of that allyship was intentionally fading to the back, not being the front and center of things, but also making sure that concrete steps or actions were being taken in support of that. And a lot of that came through resources. Whenever there was an opportunity that Dwight Hall could fund something or host something or convene something or broadcast a message or a statement, they were really trying to be active about that. 
I think what shifted is that, particularly this year, I think we've seen it with Black Lives Matter marches and things like that, is that um, there's not only more of an invitation for whites to join that, but a demand that whites show up. That it's not just black people demanding that this system change, but the white people are demanding it too, and that they're marching there, and that they're maybe putting their bodies uh, between the police and the authorities and black allies. And so I think we're still seeing how that that shift is playing out for, for a place like Dwight Hall. In the spring of 2019, Hamden police officer Devin Eaton and Yale police officer Terrence Pollock fired at Stephanie Washington and Paul Witherspoon, an unarmed Black couple in their car. In the days and weeks that followed, community groups such as People Against Police Brutality and Black Lives Matter New Haven organized rallies and protests in Hamden and at Yale. Many Yaleys joined these rallies, with the Black Men's Union taking a central role in organizing within Yale. Unlike the Black Panther trials in the 1970s, movements today do not see Dwight Hall as a central gathering ground. Instead, during the Stephanie and Paul protests, Dwight Hall supported students participating in protests through providing bus passes, funding, and snacks and water for protesters. Although Dwight Hall is no longer the same version of the activist hub it once was, it is still committed to service in New Haven. Many Dwight Hall projects have become independent organizations in the city, including the Soup Kitchen at Christ Church, Marrakech, Columbus House, and more recently, Havenly, the Connecticut Bail Fund, and Why to Why. Because there was this unique kind of fertile ground for that to happen, in which it was true collaboration, really good problem solving, and um, leveraging of resources uh, in unique and creative ways, that, that, that sh- that's something that we should not just let happen kind of accidentally, but that we would want to really uh, encourage and, and try to promote. As Dwight Hall continues to act as a portal to New Haven for Yale students, it must continue to work with the city. Through this podcast, we are hoping to continually educate ourselves and you, our listeners, about the innovative and dynamic work in our community. By highlighting the stories of leaders behind the varied groups that form New Haven's social justice and public service scene, we hope to spark your interest in these organizations and maybe even encourage you to get involved. This has been Elm City Speaks, a Dwight Hall podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.